This Shabbat is a special Shabbat. The Shabbat after the solemn, somber, sad day of Tisha B'Av, the ninth day of the month of Av. The Shabbat immediately after that day is called Shabbat Nachamu, named after the first word of the prophetic reading that is prescribed reading for tomorrow morning. Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami, Yomar, Lokechem, Dabur Alevi Yerushalayim, V'kiru Eleha. The prophet Isaiah speaks words of comfort, words of nechama. And so this Shabbos is the Shabbos of nechama, a Shabbos of being comforted, a Shabbos of being held, a Shabbos of solidarity, a Shabbos of healing, a Shabbos of new beginnings, and a turning, a turning towards Believe it or not, the Chagim, the High Holidays, seven weeks, seven Shabbatot, until we arrive. And so it's with that sense, I think, that I don't know about you, but when I was walking around New York today, I felt the weather was saying, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. <laughs> I felt the wind caressing and saying, No, it's been hard enough this summer. I'll give you a break. And it was this past Monday night that close to 100 of you came to this very place in the dark with candles lit. And we grieved together, we mourned together, we held each other as we remembered what might have been. And so this room is charged already with an energy of love. So a little anecdote that many of you who had children know very, very well. You know it's so, so deeply in your bones. There's nothing like a two-year-old that throws a temper tantrum in the middle of the street to teach you a thing or two about power. The limits of power, the abuses of power possibly, God forbid, and the subtleties of persuasion <laughs> and motivation. Of course, this temper tantrum took place on 97th Street with all of the balloons that we had just bought strewn everywhere as I was picking them up. And what powerfully resonated for me as this little being was expressing what is called in Hebrew ratzon, ratzon desire, was the power of wanting. The power of, we might say, for those of us who are mystically inclined, longing. The, the emotion, the phenomena of longing in and of itself, irrespective of the object which is being desired, if you will. The ratzon, the, the strength of will, the I want. And as I was contemplating it this week and thinking about how often at this time of the year, whether I like to admit it or not, even though there's a part of me that is terrified of the Chagim, that is terrified of their, their imminent arrival, 
is terrified of not being prepared. As Rabbi Alan Luce so beautifully said, this is real and you are completely unprepared. As much as I work at it, I have to admit, if I have in front of all of you, that I love this time of the year. There's an ante that is upped. There's an intensity, there's a vibrancy, there's a, a quality in the air of things that matter, of ledgers being opened and debts being paid or not, ceilings raised, maybe not. And so it's the intensity of this year that always has me thinking about a statement that Rav Kook, the first chief rabbi of Palestine, said very beautifully in his work that was all about this time of the year. He said that the work of this time of the year called in our tradition tshuva, or returning or turning, renewing. The work of tshuva essentially, he said, is a work of repairing ratzon. Fixing dun tikkun, he said, on ratzon, on longing or powerfully willpower or will. And so the question arises for me, what is it that we want? What is it that we long for? What is it that we ache for? What is it that triggers in us a sense of yearning? I had a, a friend call me at an odd hour of the morning this week. I happened to be online, and I got text messaged. That happens, you know? Are you up, David? I said, yeah. I have to talk to you. Okay. And onto the phone, my friend began to cry. And as she was crying, I said to her, why are you crying? She said, well, I'm, I'm dating this guy. And I said, yeah. <laughs> and it's going really, really well. Yeah. And I'm going to go next week to see him in Chicago. Yeah. And we have long conversations and we have walks and it's been so great. Okay. <laughs> she said, I'm so scared. I said, why are you so scared? She said, I haven't had this longing in so long. I haven't had this yearning. I haven't had this, this place touched in me. A place of no, you know what I mean. A place of of something being stirred so powerfully, something so alive, something so vibrant, something so hopeful, if you will. And so I asked her, I said, is it possible for you to just stay with the aliveness of your longing? Would it be okay for the moment for you to let go of this particular object of desire, whether it works out with him or not, whether he is what you want, whether he likes you, he doesn't like you, you're nervous because you were too this, you were too that, and he's going to, uh-uh. 
would it be okay if you could just allow the gift that he has given you, the gift of being aroused in your place of deep longing, of being met, can you allow that to be what has arrived at your doorstep? Can that be your gift? And so the more I thought about longing without an object, I arrived at this week's Torah portion, Parshat Vayit Hanan, the second of the Parshiyot, the second of the Torah portions of the last book of the book of Moses, the five books of Moses, Chumash. And the Torah portion that we read this week, we read every year on Shabbos Nachamu, every year when we need a good nechama, we need a good comfort. The Torah comes along and gives us Parshat Vayit Hanan. So I thought maybe there's something in here that connects. So I opened up. Moses begins to pray to God. You have begun showing me your greatness, your majesty. And Moses begins to plead with God to come into the land, this good land. I'm Moshe. I'm Moses. I'm the one who took the people out. God, please, bring me into the land. You know that I want the land more than anything. Please, God. Our rabbis teach that Moses uttered many, many prayers. He was beseeching, beseeching, beseeching. And it hit me so strongly. I said, isn't Moses the one, isn't Moshe the one, whom the Torah describes as the one who has the most extreme experience of the divine known to our tradition. There was none like Moses who saw God face to face. There was none like Moses. Moses, Moses, Moses is superior to all of the prophets. Moses, he, he reached the top. There isn't any place above Moses. He's not crashing any ceilings. He's there. He's at the highest place within our tradition. The Bible minces no words about the supremacy, the superiority of Moshe. And here he is, and he wants more. You want more, Moshe? You mean there's still something left that you long for? There's still something left that you haven't yet received? And God says, No, Ravlach, enough with you. I've heard enough. I'll toast the Berlai. I don't want to spoil. I made my decision. Enough's enough. Gehendig, it's done. And I'm thinking about God that way. I'm thinking, come on, God. Just a little. Take him in. He can kiss the ground. Just a little. You can do things. You have ways. You have means. And so what is the essence of the Torah's message in the beginning of Parshat Ve'etchanan that relates to nechama, to comfort, and relates to longing? And for me, it seems the lesson is very clear. Moshe, the man who has had it all, who's attained every level, is left with one thing that he can't have. He's left with a longing that can't be requited, that can't be filled. He's left with a sense of a man's grasp should always Right? His reach should always exceed his grasp. Or what's a heaven for Moshe 
is the longing one even when he's reached the top. Moshe is the one who gives us back our sense of life. Because Moshe recognizes or is made to recognize through his lesson that there's a longing that nothing in this world, nothing, there's no app for it. There's no app for longing. You can't download it. You can't get a quick fix of it. Everybody wants it, but few have it. A longing so intense that only God can satisfy it. C.S. Lewis, the great Christian theologian, wrote, God comes to us not as food, but as hunger. Not as presence, but as distance felt. Not as fulfillment, but as longing. Not as love consummated, but as desire kindled. God does not take away our loneliness, but intensifies it. God does not answer our questions, but floods our souls with an ever-expanding mystery. God does not soothe our old ache, but deepens it. God doesn't open the door, but encourages us to go on knocking, for our hunger is a joyful longing. Our hunger itself is God made present. So as we make the turn from Tisha B'Av to the seven weeks of getting ready, our first station, our first place on this local, as we described it, towards Rosh Hashanah, the first stop is the stop called desire and longing. And the question the Torah asks us is, in what way are you trading in your deepest desire for something less than skillful, less than deep? In what way have we, have we satisfied ourselves on the kind of nutrition and nourishment for our souls that doesn't really do the job? In what ways can we recognize how longing can be reignited in our lives and how ratzon and desire can be itself a purifying force Rumi wrote, One night a man was crying, Allah, Allah. His lips grew sweet with praising until a cynic said, So, I've heard you calling, but have you ever gotten any response? The man had no answer to that. He quit praying and fell into a confused sleep. And in his dream he saw a kidder, the guide of souls, in a thick green foliage. Kidder asked him, why did you stop praising? Because I've never heard anything back. This longing you express is the, is the return message. The grief you cry out from draws you towards union. Your pure sadness that wants help is the secret cup. Listen to the moan of the dog for its master. That whining is the connection. 
There are love dogs no one knows about. No one knows the names. Give your life to be one of them. Please rise.